There are things in this world and apart from it that man was not meant to know. Unseen blasphemies that stalk between the shadows of our waking world and nameless, untold horrors that inhabit our dreams as we close our eyes each night. There are those who seek out these terrible mysteries, and their curiosity has been rewarded, without exception, with madness and death, and for the least fortunate, the unassailable knowledge that humanity's place in the universe is as that of an insect to the common man. We now present a story of one of these unfortunates. Welcome to Tales from the Black Vault. My death shall come soon, and with that thought comes some measure of comfort that Eugene Bartleby will be released from this world and its cares, and that Eugene Bartleby led a good life and left behind him good children and good grandchildren. I write this now that there would be some record left to my progeny of what happened earlier in my life that I have not spoke of and that none have dared to ask me. In my earliest days teaching at the university, I led a small crew to a small island in the Pacific, a part of the United States, but not officially included in its rosters of voting and civic involvement. This was, in particular, an island called Kuala'ana. That was its name given by the Hawaiian residents of the nearby archipelago when asked for any official title. I would later learn that among those locals, it was merely referred to by an obsolete phrase for the place we must not step. But it seemed an auspicious location for astronomical observation. Far from any city lights, far from any polluted factories, with a clear view of the deep, deep sky. Allowing myself and my team to make closer observations on anomalous measurements we had calculated in regions of what should have been empty and formless space. Sir, we're coming up to the port now. We'll be tying the boat off. You and your crew can take your packages and your suitcase and... You see, if you make your way up that hill right there, that hillside, there's the dome where I suppose you'll be doing, um, what exactly is it you're doing on this island? It's astronomy. We have all our equipment ready. It's astronomy. We look at stars. Are you there? Be careful with that equipment. It's very fragile. Not to worry, sir. We're perfectly capable of carrying our own equipment up this hill. Mind the lenses. Uh, okay, sir. I just, just be wary that, um, there's power outages on the <laughs> island every once in a while goes dark. I'm sure we know what we're doing. Thank you very much for your concern. But Mackles the boatman gave me a long, steady gaze that seemed informed by some emotion not immediately conveyed by his vague words. Sir, you are in charge of these people, are you not? Of course, I am Professor Bartleby. Well, then keep that in mind. You are responsible for their behavior and for their safety. I will return in one week's time to pick you up as requested. And with that, like a mighty ship himself, he tacked his massive frame around down the pathway back to the dock and back to the little rusty boat. 
thought we'd never be rid of him. I can't wait to get back on dry land. Me either, Philip. Very looking forward to tonight's observations. They're going to be spectacular. Oh, yes. Gavin and Walter talked excitedly, each one more excited than the other, each one adjusting their glasses as was their habit, and each one talking about the specific observations that they would be making. Can you believe it? Not a light in sight. No, no city lights, no car lights, not a house light to distract us or diffuse things that are coming into our lenses. We may be able to see the Shoggoth Nebula tonight. Oh, <laughs> maybe after a while, but tonight would be very, very fortunate. And as Gavin and Walter continued their discussion, it was only Emily that had some curiosity of the sociological aspects of the island. Do you notice, gentlemen, that as we walk... It feels like we are being watched. And do you notice that the people in the neighboring villages peer out and keep equidistant from us? If we move, they move? In retrospect, Emily's observations were precise and scientific and aberrant from what we should have expected. But they were rapidly dismissed as vague feminine intuition. No, I hadn't. Pished. Oh, just relax. There's nothing to worry about here. We have business to attend to. I assure you, Gavin, that if you raise your right hand and point to the sky, you will see it mirrored in the people, only equidistant from your body. (laughs) (laughs) Such silliness. They dismissed that as well. And we made our way up the winding switchback path, up Mount Kula, higher and higher towards the observation dome. A strange chill came, sturdier and heartier than one would expect from simple elevation, as a wind whipped through and seeming to carry a whispered voice alongside it. Each one of us, I know, clearly heard that preternatural sound, but each one of us a scientist, a scientist that should have been open to the unknown, instead closed our minds against the possibility of something that could so clearly crack our preconceived notions of what the world had held. But I speak too much too soon. We are being followed. There is a clump of five men following us, just up the pathway there. Followed, Emily? I see a flickering light, sir. I turned around at that very moment, and perhaps I caught a light suddenly shutting off? Perhaps just a simple scintillation of the retina. I looked back at her uneasily. I'm sure it's, it's nothing. I see no one back there. No one has any cause to follow us. Or if they did, I, I'm sure it's someone helpful, bringing supplies or helping our efforts. The, the university is a good friend to the community here. <laughs> helpful. I hope those savages don't intend on ruining our perfect darkness with their torches or whatnot. We need to quickly settle camp, fellas. Quickly. Well, quickly is one thing I can agree on. I want this set up as soon as possible so we don't miss a minute of observation tonight. Yes, I'd really like to get inside. I'm not dressed for this weather. I expect it to be more tropical. I don't think we shall have to camp on the pathway. I, if we just redouble our speed, we should be into the observatory before the last lights of the sun fall over the horizon. At a quick hike, we made our way up one switchback, around, up another. For a moment, strange carvings on the trees caught my eye. Do you see something unnatural carved into that great koa tree there? Unnatural? I see the carving, but I 
see no reason to think it's unnatural. It's probably just the natives, uh, some ancient relic or marking. Or recent. I don't speak their tongue, so who knows what garbage it is. Some tradition. Indeed, it was something that seemed like scrawled language. Although no other observer may have observed it as such, seeing only a meaningless tangle of lines and circles. But something in the back of my mind called to me, saying that these were words. This had meaning. Barbaric nonsense, if you ask me. I watched in a daze, unaware of the passage of time, until I was tugged free of these ruminations. Professor, we really must get going. Oh, of, of course. Of course. Onward. Fortunately, the observatory had been left in perfect condition. As if Dr. Mendelssohn had stepped out but the day before. He creaked the door open, saw no dust on any surface, and Gavin began turning the crank to open the slit in the ceiling that would afford the great lens a chance to view the sky. There, right there, right there. Perfect. I'll finish setting up, Professor, but I think we're almost ready. What are you doing? Shut that. Shut that right now. Professor Barlby, is that you? And there before me, after a moment's confused recognition, was Dr. Mendelssohn. But not as we had left him. His physical form was relatively unchanged, but for a strange, unkempt beard. But no, it was the look in the eyes, those terrible eyes that spoke of something horrible and strange. Shut that roof. Shut that right now. Pull the telescope back. Shut the roof right now. I've had it held tight, and it will stay held tight. I had every reason to think that the good professor was warning us of some mechanical failure, so I, with a brief nod to Gavin, gave him permission to do as the doctor said. Very well. Uh, We'll double-check the equipment, obviously. Dr. Mendelssohn... Harvey, we have to make these observations of the nebula tonight. It is an issue of timing and precision. Did you not get my message? What message? Precision, timing, precision, timing, precision, timing, precision, timing, precision. Nonsense! Words you speak, it just doesn't matter anymore. I've looked at the stars. I pointed towards the place in the sky you told me to point to. The longitude and the latitude of the night sky. Come, look at the readings I brought out. He spoke extensively of his readings. And, in fact, there had been a missive from Dr. Mendelssohn. An imperative telegram that had been sent, but the only contents of it seemed like nonsense syllables, strange alternations of consonants and vowels that added up to no true meaning at all. I assumed it was some sort of error in transmission, and that it would surely be sent again once the agency had realized the error that they had made, but no further word had ever come. He motioned me over to a chart of observations made, Apparently, Mendelssohn had never left the observatory in the intervening two years. Close, tight handwriting filled every large page of a pad, hundreds of pages thick. I am here every day and every night. I send out for food and supplies, and they they bring it to me dutifully, and I appreciate every gesture they give. But look here, if you look here, hand me that pen, will you? Thank you. If I just... This is... I had this thought this morning. I hope this makes sense to you as I... If you fill in this part of the sky here and you connect it to this over here. He drew an elaborate drawing, and on my colleagues' faces, on Gavin's, on Walter's, on Emily's, and even on my own physiognomy, came a look 
of patient pity. Hmm. Professor, I, I, I think he's gone mad. Let me get you some coffee, Professor. They tried to motion him to a comfortable chair for reading and observations. They tried to ease him down to it, and soon he lashed out at them. No, no, you just don't understand. Once you look through the telescope... There, 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 it'll be all right. It's it'll, all right, it's all right. You get off Calm me down. right now! Calm down. You get off me! It's okay. Ah. Ah. Ooh. Get the sedatives. Ah. Ah. Hold them down. Ah. I'm trying. Walter dispatched sedatives into his veins. He thrashed for a minute or two more, shouting incomprehensible warnings. If you reach out to them, they'll reach out to you. When you see the stars, the stars look back. It's okay, it's okay. And his eyes eased shut. And after that confrontation, the calmness of the room seemed exaggerated. He's clearly gone mad. It's some tropical disease of the brain. There we were, on a quiet autumn evening in a tropical paradise far away from the world to peruse the skies. Well, uh, Gavin, open up the dome again. We open the dome, Professor. Uh, uh, bit shaken, but I think my hand will be steady enough for this operation. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, Walter, could you please restrain Dr. Mendelssohn? Of course. I fear they're coming, gentlemen. They're coming? I fear that those natives are coming. Whatever you must do, do it quickly, Professor. Walter, perhaps you should lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps I should. They had a jovial attitude, but Walter obligingly locked the door firmly. I read off the coordinates in the sky to Gavin. I asked for the precise lenses we needed from Emily, and I sat in the observation chair, the eyepiece in front of me. We have the proper elevation. Perfect. The first measurements had been made years before and were written off as a mistake from some Tyro astronomer new to the university. Some sort of shimmering light that seemed to exist in a space between the stars of what he had described as an indescribable color. He had left the university long after that and now I believe resides in some peaceful sanitarium for what had happened to his nerves after the war. Further investigations, cursory at first, revealed a strangeness to it. What was in that part of the sky varied from time to time. Sometimes it seemed a perfect copy of another part, another constellation, only in miniature. Sometimes it was blank space, but a slightly but perceptibly changed color from the eternal blackness of the void. There were theories, there were ideas, there were many a paper written, but now, with the precision of the island observatory, we would have our answers. That plastic cloud would just clear. We'd get our observation already. I'm sure that my theory is correct. The gravitational lensing is the obvious solution to this. Well, obviously. Professor, do you see any correlation between the carving on the tree and the constellation above? Oh, please, that could not. The sentence died in my throat. For indeed, the constellation that now seemed to occupy that questionable part of the sky matched in every particular the lines and circles carved into the tree. The natives would have no way of doing astronomical observations. Yeah, some primitive cultures have advanced astronomical knowledge that we haven't been able to duplicate for some reason. Yes, yes, I think, I think that is the case. Perhaps these people, unknown to the greater archipelago, merit further investigation by our sociological department. <laughs> <laughs> What's that noise outside? I'll go check. 
I think we're making them very angry. I feel very uneasy. Be careful, Walter. Of course. I have my revolver. And hitching that to his holster, he swaggered towards the door, undid the fasteners, and stepped outside. What? No! Get back! No! Ah! No! Well, Walter! No! Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. He had locked the door behind him, and we had no way of knowing until later what precisely had befallen him, but the noises were enough. Something banged against the door. And then went silent. The cloud cleared. It was suddenly the sort of gentle evening that a lake poet might have written of. With one last unsteady look. Professor, perhaps, perhaps you shouldn't. Professor, please, please save yourself. You might as well, Professor. Eventually you're going to look anyway. I had to. I'd come all this way. I'd lost a dear colleague. I knew in my heart that this could not have been for nothing. And so I rotated the eyepiece towards me, bent down, and opened my eyes. And suddenly, I wasn't in the observatory at all. I wasn't in what I could describe as any gravitational field, even. I floated, and around me was emptiness. Darkness so complete, the mind twisted in on itself, trying to find some peace to focus upon. And slowly, the shape made itself known. At first, only a vague, pulsating oval, but then an eye opened upon it, emanating a red light that illumined the rest of its form. And the single eye was joined by a second, and a third, and a fourth, and I could see the skin of the creature shaking like earthquake-rumbled ground. And the scale of it, it was as large as a planet, no, a galaxy in and of itself. It was terrifying. And it was everything. And with that, everything swam and went dark. I'm sorry, Professor. I had no choice. I woke up from the drugs that you gave me, and I saw that you were trapped in the vision like I was. I had to hit you. I had to knock you out. I'm sorry. Dr. Mendelssohn looked with a kindly gaze down upon me, and my surroundings had changed. No longer were we in the serene and terrifying observatory, but we swayed gently in the rusty boat that Mackles had brought. But if the ship is here, then how much... How much time has passed? You've been asleep for days. I was called early to come pick you up. Of course. We'll be back in the mainland soon, and you can go home. We shall report to the university to demolish this observatory and forbid and quarantine this island against any further visitors. Just destroy it, Professor. It's, it's, it's burned down. How? 
make me think of it. And once I knocked you out, the, the observatory started to fold in on itself. And time and space it started to wrap in on itself. We, we, we barely escaped with our lives, and we, we had to haul you out of there, lifeless as you may be. Again, I apologize for having to strike you down. Don't you remember what you did to Emily? Look at your hands. They were lacerated, scarred, with dried blood crusting over parts of it. Blood that I, with a sudden terrifying instinct, knew was not my own. Professor, that's it's the most horrifying thing. I hope you're rotten hell for what you did. We made it back to the mainland. No one reported a word of what I had done or any of us had done. Some story was dreamed up of Dr. Mendelssohn having had a sabbatical near Tierra del Fuego. And I was alive. And yet every time I closed my eyes, the hint or echo of that fantastical creature came back to fill my consciousness. And what I knew in my heart of hearts was not just that this was unimaginably large, not just that it was unholy and terrifying, but that it was approaching. It was coming nearer. And I know not, my children, what world awaits me beyond the veil of death. But in my heart of hearts, I fear it is the one occupied by that thing between the stars. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Black Vault. We release a new story every two weeks, and you can find them at our website at blackvault.net. This episode, The Thing Between the Stars, was narrated by Peter Rogers and features Justin Bozade, Mark Major, J. Michael, and Jamie Ramsey as the cast of The Black Vault. Engineering by Brent Chismark. Mixing by Lindsay McGowan. Editing by Peter Rogers, with score consulting by Michael Yu and effects consulting by Cindy Page. Music by Nathaniel Rendon and Matt Reed for Scotch and Coda Productions. Tales from the Black Vault Season 2 theme by Awayward. Tales from the Black Vault is produced by Peter Rogers and Lindsay McGowan for Terrible Old Productions. The Black Vault was originally directed by Mark Major at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas. Until next time, the vault is waiting.